from the first whistle blow till the game is on the line. This is Stoppage Time. I'm Greg. And I'm Tyler. And we are back again after another exciting week of Champions League football. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, I feel like I, I say this every every time we record recently. Uh, it's a pretty big snowstorm about ready to come in. I know that's your favorite thing. Um, so just kind of bracing for that. Uh, Colorado is going to get pounded this weekend. Wow. Uh, potentially two to three feet here in Denver, but uh, there, there are some places up in the mountains that are going to get 60 to 80 inches. Wow. No, no, so, you see, and, 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 and uh, listeners, Tyler reached out to me and told me about the snow and how they're getting the snowstorm. And I look out here in uh, sunny California. I'm not in Los Angeles today. I'm actually in Berkeley, California. Shout out to the Berkeley crew, to all the people out here at, uh, at UC Berkeley doing their thing and Berkeley Labs, huge developments, scientific developments, things that I do not comprehend um, at my simple knowledge level that those doctors and doctorate uh, postdoc uh, crew are doing out there in the lab. Shout out to Berkeley. But anyway, guys, things seem to be opening up, right? Uh, just recently, uh, we've had uh, a lot of places uh, here in Los Angeles, a lot of counties here in California have been opening up, Los Angeles County being the, the latest to be recorded. And so have things happened in the Champions League in terms of open scoring all week long. Tuesday and Wednesday matches, Tyler, we're going to run into, we're just going to run right into it. Our first match of the week, Tuesday matchup. Uh, Borussia Dortmund versus Sevilla ended 2-2, 5-4 on aggregate. Tyler, share your thoughts. So off that 5-4 aggregate, uh, Dortmund moves on. Ho Holland, again, I, I almost feel like a broken record at this point. Every time we talk about Dortmund, it's Holland, Holland, Holland. But it's, I mean, that that's what they have. The dude is on fire. He's playing lights out. Uh, Dortmund's going to go as far as he can carry them. A, a little bit of a... Controversy surrounding him in this game uh, after his second goal. He uh, it was off a penalty kick uh, after he scored it, which had to be retaken, uh, by the way, because the keeper came off his line, uh, stopping uh, Holland from scoring on the first goal. And I think Holland uh, took that a little personally. And after scoring on the second goal, in his celebration, ran up to the keeper and just basically yelled at him like in a very intimidating and then ran off to, to celebrate with the rest of his team. And the Sevilla players did not uh, enjoy that at all. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a maturity that's going to come in his game. He, he is only 20. I, I get the excitement of, you know, I, I think he's the fastest to 20 goals in the champ in champions league history. The, there's plenty of reasons to celebrate, but you, you can't do that. Yeah, and, and that was that was the, the only note that I had against it. But Holland is incredible. A fantastic show by the 20-year-old on this Tuesday, bagging two goals against Sevilla. But yes, you do not taunt your opponent the way in which he did with Sevilla in this game. It only resulted in Sevilla doing what anybody who's in a position to be upset would do. They came after Dortmund in that second half with nothing with a, with a vengeance and was able to bring the score back to 2-2. Honestly, 
uh, one more goal would have done it. One more goal would have put them into into OT, I believe, because it was three two the, the game before um, with Dortmund uh, uh, getting the away goals. There, this would have been one of those another exciting match. We've seen this happen before in Champions League last year um, with teams coming back um, with with a you know. So far, we've had no comebacks. We almost had one in our next matchup, which was Juventus versus Porto. 3-2 being the score on the day. 4-4, four, four, uh, Porto winning on away goals. Tyler, lead us into this one. So the, this one's... Uh, I I feel like if you're Juventus and Pirlo and that, that whole team, you brought this on yourself. And the, this comes from your miserable leg one game. Mm-hmm. Because... You guys came to play this game. You guys decided to finally show up and you played like you meant it. You wanted this game and you almost nearly had it. If it weren't for, I don't know where you fall on this, Greg, uh, with, with what happened with Ronaldo. So Juventus was up uh, three to one, I believe, in the, in the uh, OT period in the second OT period and Porto scored a goal off of a free kick where one, this is something that I hadn't seen in a while. um, Juventus opted to not put a player laying down on the ground behind the wall, which also would have prevented Mm -hmm. uh, this goal from being scored. I hadn't seen that in a long time. I'd always seen teams put players laying down behind the wall where where I want to see how you feel about, this is you have a player like Cristiano Ronaldo in the wall who, when the ball is coming toward him, jumps and turns away from the ball. Almost mm-hmm. like he was kind of afraid of it. Like he didn't want to get hit by it. Right. It's so it surprised the keeper Chesney who almost stopped it, but didn't it went in. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, all Porto had to do was, not let Juve hold. score again. They just had to hold him. Do you put the blame on this loss on Ronaldo? Well, obviously, I think I'll have to put the blame of the loss on Ronaldo. I would say, however, that it is it has been the most exciting game for the competition for me so far. A real roller coaster of emotions. They almost had it towards the end. Porto was able to hold out. There, I think there were a couple seconds of just Headers bouncing back and forth off of a corner. I think it hit the air about three or four times. Uh, what an amazing comeback from this team. But yes, it is. I would. I rested on Juventus for having put themselves in this position to begin with. And then I do put it on, on Ronaldo. What happens when you turn your body, Tyler, at the front profile? You, 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 you end up maneuvering your body in a way in which the surface area that the ball is coming towards is smaller than the uh, than if you were to be face forward or if your back was turned. 
went straight through that little gap. And that's all that was needed for Porto to bring this game back and have it be as competitive as it was. I am happy for the level of competition that took place in this game because it was it was one of the games that I saw this week. I saw two games, obviously, uh, one of the games that we're going to talk about next. But since the games are playing simultaneously, you have to pick one. Um, the This Porto-Juventus game, I'm glad that I picked it because it was stunning. I do put it on Ronaldo. You are the leader of the team. Ronaldo, you, you have to be able to choose, make better decisions than that. And he also looked gassed. Um, even before the 90-minute uh, call, which Ronaldo is known for his for his physicality and his uh, and his fitness levels, it just seems like he was not in it uh, today. Maybe COVID related, not not in terms of him getting COVID, but just you know having the restrictions and whatnot. Uh, maybe getting to him, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And it's, it, I mean, it's just a shame. Like you said, this was this was a fantastic game this this was the game of of the week of this of this leg of second leg of matches you know you you have a Juventus team that outshot Porto 31 to 14 Mm -hmm. with 13 shots on target for Juventus to only seven for Porto Porto Mm -hmm. with the better you know shot to goal percentage but Juventus was on the ball, they were firing shots. They had 68% of, of the possession. They had 19 corner kicks mm-hmm. compared to Porto's two. Yep. 19 corner kicks. You know, you you we we've been talking about how bad Juventus, you know, played in the first first set of games. So they won possession in that first game against Porto much like this one, it was 65-35, only 12 shots compared to Porto's mm. eight with five both on target and only six corner kicks yep. uh, split between both teams. Both teams had six. You saw the difference of play from the Juventus from a couple of weeks ago to now. And it's, I mean, if, if, if you're a fan of that team, you just have to be frustrated because you're only in this position because of how badly you played that first game. Yeah, it, it was it was not, um, and even even the performance outside of that that free kick, it was just uh, the icing on the cake for a disappointing Ronaldo showing. I know that a lot of people are are pointing towards is this the end of the Ronaldo era? Seeing that both uh, both two of the best players in the world uh, have been knocked out. Of the league, but we'll get to the second one soon. We'll, we'll we'll get there, guys. But definitely a disappointing showing for Cristiano. A whole and team. I'll, oh, sorry. Go for it. Oh, you you go ahead because I was going to bring up what's after this. Right. So I, I was going to say, uh, moving on to our Wednesday matchups, talking about disappointing performances. Liverpool versus Leipzig. Liverpool scoring two goals. To none. Leipzig coming out of this this whole tie aggregate four to zero. Nothing for Leipzig. Nothing for Leipzig to show. Uh, Tyler, let's get into Leipzig's disappointing Champions League round of sixteen run. Well, it's it, it's very frustrating because I I know that they're better than that. Um, they they've shown that they are better than that. But what what you end up it's just disappointing. 
especially yeah. with with them coming out of the group of uh, group of death the the game bef- the round before you know they they've they faced much better competition than what this Liverpool team is now if yeah. they had played right after the round of 16 i would have expected this result the two right. nothing two nothing but the fact that they weren't able to score a goal against a Liverpool team that has lost six straight at home mm-hmm. who is struggling in the premier league they they have fallen to eighth in the premier league the a team searching for an identity and you couldn't even crack a goal against them you, you couldn't yeah. even break and i mean i i don't think that well i guess it is a knock against liverpool both of both of their goals were from Salah and Sané and both mm-hmm. as results of Leipzig kind of messing up. Yeah. And and just suddenly not playing defense or making a unfortunate error and Liverpool being able to capitalize on that. Yeah. With with Sané and Salah being the players that they are and being the players that you know will capitalize on mistakes like that. Yeah. You know, I made the joke last week with 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 Salah's goal that you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time he's going to score that goal off of that steal. Mm-hmm. You know that that is just what kind of player he is, and that's what they're going to expect. You know that that's what you've got to expect from players who are the some of the top players in the world. Liverpool still has them; they're just having trouble, and right. Just disappointing from Leipzig. Yeah, definitely a a disappointing turn from Leipzig. If you look at the match stats, the timeline, game over game, it is almost identical. Just the the two goals in this game came in a little bit later um, than in the first game. But literally, no action in the first half because Liverpool is tiring them out, holding them down. And then in the second half, all they needed to do was put two overhead kicks for two of two, some of the two of the fastest players. But I, I also want to point out that uh, Jota is an amazing talent. Uh, though he didn't score, passed uh, to Salah, it was a goal. Um, amazing footwork. I, I can't express that enough. I think that I was mostly impressed with his play. And Nabi Keita, oh my goodness, and Origi. This this was just the 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 kind of game that I saw what Liverpool could be, but uh, was not impressed with well not impressed with uh, with what they put out in their own domestic league. They have been struggling, as uh, as Tyler said before, just struggling to to keep afloat. Eighth place is no place. For, for Liverpool, even though they have, the, I mean, that's where Liverpool has resided for a long time, between fifth and eighth, um, for a long time. And this, you know, last the past couple of years, they've been doing really well. So what happened is the real question. But on the bright side, I will put this out. I still give the, the, the man of the match to Nkuku. He played out of his gourd on Wednesday. Even being able at some point to to come back and defend um, a shot on goal in, in in the defense, he's on the left wing. How do you end up on the right back to help defend? 
that just shows you the level of determination that that some of the players on that team did pull out. Um, but yeah, playing they played a formation of three one four one in that game. Obviously, the three in the back. I did have this conversation with you guys last week, saying that this was probably the detriment. You don't want three players um, going up against two of the fastest guys on the field. Um, it's just, it's not a workable strategy. You're coming in at a disadvantage and we saw that on this game, but it, you know, I, Tyler and I promised each other that we weren't going to talk a lot about this game. And here we go, just spouting our <laughs> mouths about it. We're moving on to the last game, Tyler. The last game on Wednesday was a spirited fight to the very end. PSG versus Barcelona, 1-1, the score on the day, 5-2 the aggregate score. Tyler, tell us what you think about this one. I, it's kind of like the, the Juve game. Uh, you know, what, what would have happened if this the Barcelona team from this game had shown up like this in the last game? Mm-hmm. It certainly wouldn't have been 4-1. And they, they, they just dug themselves too much of a hole and they completely outplayed PSG in this game. 72 percentage... Uh, possession percentage they had 21 shots on goal with 10 on target compared to psg's seven with three Mm -hmm. on target they had nine corner kicks you know they 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 were just pounding the goal i mean it's in and this is where we get into to what ultimately doomed them they seem to come out knowing what they had to do and as greg talked about the last show they they have done this to psg before Mm -hmm. where they went down was it 4-0 and then yep. one six one, and we're able yep. to move on. Mm-hmm. And they came out looking like they might actually do it. Yeah, uh, Dembele missed a couple of almost gimme shots. Yeah, and the 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 thing that was frustrating about those really quickly is he kept trying to beat Navas the same way instead of changing up his shot. To mm-hmm. Navas knew exactly where he was going to put the shot, and the there you know it's. When you're in a position like Dembele is, then you need to change that up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but but Greg can talk about that uh, in a little bit. Uh, just his overall. I know he's also frustrated with Dembele. But then you have things like Messi's PK kick. He doesn't usually miss those. Like that 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 could have been another goal. Uh, Serginho Dest had a banger of a shot. Mm-hmm. That you know a couple inches that would have you know been in the back of the net. There, there were so many chances for Barcelona in this that just didn't fall. And it's, it's unfortunate because they, they came out as the hungrier team. Uh, PSG was definitely laying back and just kind of waiting to see what happened and if they needed to kick it into another gear or not. And, you know, all of these chances, they just, it just didn't fall for Barcelona. And, and unfortunately in the sports world, you know, you can outplay a team and just not have these things fall. It mm-hmm. happens. It sucks. They they have definitely have nothing to be upset about in this game necessarily. They they again they just have to hang their heads off of a poor, poor leg one game. And you know, I, I know that this wouldn't have had a huge outcome on the the ending of this game. The PSG PK was a load of bull. Yeah. <laughs> that, that should have never been called. I mean, PSG went up one nothing. Messi scored a banger of a goal 
like 15 minutes later to tie it up one, one. So it, you know, it ended up not necessarily impacting the game. Like I said, but it's just unfortunate for Barcelona. They, they pretty much put together a game that could have repeated history from a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, so I would, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to touch on the positives because there were a lot of positives here uh, in this game. Positive number one, fantastic energy. I have not seen Barcelona play this level of game in a very, well, at least this season, more than this season. Since they got beat from, from Bayern Munich last year, I have not seen this level of energy in their play since then. Second thing was that I saw the type of passing that I enjoy in my Barcelona team. I think that the, 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 new, uh, the, the new change in upper management um, definitely uh, pleased some of, the, some of the ones, some of the players and the workers and the, the coach and everyone is trying to be cohesive during this difficult time in Barcelona history. And thirdly, Messi played, well, Messi plays out of his gourd every single game right there are some games where you do see him kind of lay back but i think that you know he's a player like um a close comparison to an american player would be like lebron james right lebron james try to tries to get everyone else involved he he's not a glory um seeker um not like your cristiano ronaldo who you know throws his shoe off if uh he doesn't score a goal you know, if someone doesn't pass him the ball, you know, he's not, you know, Messi is a little bit more mature than that. And lastly, I am really pleased with what I saw from Griezmann this game. Um, I don't give Griezmann a lot of praise. I think that he's overrated and overpaid, but Greasy looked like the 150 million pound man that I guess they knew that he could be. I never thought that he was worth that much, but he looked like the player that they assumed that he could be. All right, let's get to the negatives. We did a little positives. Now let's get to the (laughs) negatives. Dembele needs to be better. I I don't know how else to say that. There There were reports probably about a year, year and a half ago saying that Dembele was not a good fit with Barcelona because of his work ethic. This kind of showed. Dembele is not making the right decisions, especially at the front. I do see him as a good left forward. This game, they played a 3-4-1-2, similar to um, Leipzig's formation, which I have not seen Barcelona play this before. And, And even furthermore, I have not seen Pedri play in a defensive mid position. That was strange for me. Their uh, wing, their backs, their left and their, their wide backs, Jordi Alba and uh, Dest both played in the midfield as your wingers um, with Greasy in the center uh, of that midfield attack. I am not convinced that that was the best place for him just yet, even though he had a great game. I don't think that that's a good spot for Griezmann. I think that Griezmann, anytime that he has played well, either in the French team or when he was with Atletico Madrid, he always played best when the the supply was to him. He is not the supplier. He is a target forward. Unless his game is changing, I'm obviously I'm not within the coaching staff to tell, but it seemed like a good test at this moment. And it makes sense now why Des had such a, a crack of a shot. He had great opportunities because he was playing so high up. And it was that was a good choice. That's another positive. I'll throw in a positive in my negative review. But Greasy does not belong in the midfield. 
I honestly believe because I think that the real, the truest negative that I could bring out right now is that the team relies too much on the extreme ability of Messi. And yes, you do want your superstar in front, but sometimes your superstar performs best in a supporting role. Messi, like I said, is naturally not a star-seeking superstar. He, he, is, he is your Kawhi Leonard almost, if you want to put it in that respect, in terms of superstar. Kawhi Leonard is not a superstar, but when you look at the, at the similar personas, Messi is not that kind of player. He is the one, and if, you, if you've ever followed Barcelona football, Messi has been the one that has always been supplying. And the, but they played well. Back to my positives, they played well. Uh, PSG was just able to do that 4-3-3 attacking formation and was able to hold them out defensively throughout the entire game. All this would have been a repeat of every single time Barcelona has fallen behind against PSG and was able to knock them out. PSG was strategic this game. They, they started uh, to shoot off fireworks at midnight uh, right outside the Barcelona hotel. That was, uh, that was smart. I give them props for that. I don't see anything wrong with it. It's sleazy, but I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, to to your point too about uh, you know Barcelona, what, what, regardless of whether the jury's still out of whether some of these position changes worked, you know, unlike Leipzig, you saw them trying to make an effort to find something that worked and do something mm-hmm. to change the chemistry and the nature of the team. And I mean that that's got to be a positive in itself. Is that you? It, regardless of the the disappointment of the early exit from from the tournament they were trying something and if if that score had been 5-1 we might be saying something different right now and it yep. could have been 5-1 and yeah i i'm yeah i i, I don't want to do, say psg I, got lucky but you know i do think that there were some chances that barcelona could have, should have capitalized on, and this could be a very different conversation. Yeah, and I, I do have to give Coleman a lot of props in terms of, so the first game that they played, Barcelona also played an attacking 4-3-3, which they're most comfortable with. But after not seeing a result from that team for so long or from that formation for so long, I mean, uh, Dijon played defense in that in that Wednesday game. He played in defense like it was I can't remember the other the other defender's name but PK and Dijon were playing center like PK played the center and Dijon played on the right Um, I can't remember who played on the left but they're basically all center mids Dijon is not a defender but instead he played in defense Dest is not a midfielder but he played high up the field and it showed some sort of result because it took PSG uh, it made them uncomfortable they weren't they weren't, I wasn't expecting that formation. I just, I looked at the formation. I was like, what did they do? But it, it gave us a result that was a little bit more beneficial or I, I don't think that beneficial is the word, but it, it gave us a result. It gave us a Barcelona that looked full of life and ready to take on whatever PSG had to throw their way. And they didn't have much. They didn't have much to throw their way. They just kind of sat back and took it. So, again, props to the team. I, I that's that's mainly that's mainly my my two cents. I put a dollar fifty on that one. Honestly, that's more than two cents. I put, I put <laughs> my dollar fifty on that one. Barcelona played a fantastic game. And I just hope that they are able to 
um, secure some sort of La Liga success, if not the Copa de Rio. We need some silverware this year. So that brings us to uh, next week's uh, second legs for the rest of the teams still in the tournament. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Man City versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, Man City holding the 2-0 lead on that with two away goals uh, in their favor. How do you see this one playing out, Greg? Um, this seems like a really cut and dry game for for um, Man City. I don't want to say that just because you we you never know what's you never know what's going to happen, but. Mönchengladbach has never beaten Man City in their part of town. They are coming to England this game in in all of their matches. I think they've only had two matchups, um, two matches against Man City prior to this in Man City and have lost both. So the odds are in Man City's favor. Um, when you're looking at key notables, they're still they're still missing Carson. Um, they're missing uh, Nathan Nake and they're missing Sandler. Not a big deal. And Borussia Dortmund has also got the majority of its team back. Pep Guardiola is not only one of my favorite coaches, but one of the uh, best coaches or most renowned, one of the legendary coaches of the game of all time. One of the most profound coaches of all time. I think that he's, I hope that he doesn't take this game too lightly. And I hope that he comes out attacking at least in the first half and then, gives them a good defensive strategy that will keep those boys out. But what I've, what I do know about the great game of football is that once you get too much into a defensive mindset, it is automatic. Your players ease up, they relax. They, they don't put out the same amount of energy that they do when they're attacking. Um, and this could put you in trouble. This could put you in a lot, in a lot of trouble. You don't want to be on your heels. You want to be on your toes for the entirety of that game. Um, if they're able to do a defensive strategy the way in which PSG did against Barcelona, I think that they're going to be fine. My prediction for this game is going to be a, either 1-0 or 2-1. One goal difference on the game. So in, in between now and the last time we recorded, Man City did lose. Uh, they lost to Man United. So that, yes, I remember uh, 20, that. 21-game mm-hmm. uh, win streak was snapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... I think to your point about Pep making sure that his boys are ready, I think that that probably was a good thing to happen to Man City before a game like this uh, because they came out and just kind of obliterated the next couple, t- the next team that they played the yeah. earlier this I- week. Uh, they just crushed Southampton 5 to 2. And, uh, you know, Mönchengladbach has lost six straight and haven't won a game since the beginning of February. So yeah. they are definitely. Uh, struggling as well um you know we'll we'll see i i think man city wins this 3-1 oh wow so so i wasn't saying that man city has not lost in their in their home they they have not lost to to uh munch gladback in this competition ever at their house um, oh i yeah, they, the the game that they lost that had their streak snapped, they lost at home. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They 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 have not lost a Munch and Gladback. I just want to make that clear for all the listeners. They have not lost a Munch and Gladback um, ever in this competition. I think that the only time that they have lost to Munch and Gladback was in Munch and Gladback back in 1979. So um, it's been a while. Uh, the the closest that they have come was uh, 2016 group stages. Um, against Man City with a 1-1 draw. So have not, and again, that was also in Mönchengladbach's backyard. So they have not lost 
a game um, at home to Mönchengladbach. So I believe that they're going to be confident going into this one. And we, we just have to see. They, they, they didn't have Pep um, back in 1979, <laughs> and it shows. <laughs> um, and haven't been in, in, a, um, in a European Cup since well, from 1979 to, to 2015 so uh, it just it just shows where they're at now they're at a completely different level I, I don't want to put history too much into it but just the fact that that Mönchengladbach has not been successful in their stadium at any point in time I just wanted to throw that stat out there anyway next up on next week Tuesday next week Tuesday's matchup uh, will be Real Madrid Versus Atalanta, Real Madrid holding the away goal advantage with a slim away goal advantage of one goal. This is this is a, this is a matchup to talk about. Tyler, tell me about tell me what's your thoughts on this Real Madrid Atalanta game. So first off, this should be zero zero coming into this. This should not be one uh, zero. Um, <laughs> to to reiterate my point from when we talked about game one on this, Atalanta. I'm sorry you're in this position. I actually think you guys might take this one 2-1. Uh, you guys are playing very, very well, you know, uh, leading up into this. Uh, did, did lose a game to, to enter who is, who is leading the Serie A right now, but uh, they won 3-1 in their last game, which actually was today. Uh, then they had that 1-0 loss to enter, and then they uh, defeated uh, Crotone uh, 5-1. So you guys are very capable of putting up goals, and you've shown that uh, recently. They're also capable of uh, holding powerful uh, scoring teams like an uh, enter uh, to one goal. Uh, I, I don't know. And, uh, you know, Real's coming in off two draws. They did win a couple games before that. But there, there's been nothing that has really impressed me in this tournament about this Real Madrid team. And I... I think they're going to be the, uh, the the next La Liga team to fall out of this tournament. I, I think Atalanta beats them at home 2-1 and advance on the uh, away goals. Wow. So so that's 2-1, 2-1 you're saying, but you're absolutely right. Real Madrid has been, uh, I don't want to say abysmal. They haven't been abysmal. I think that they've been the luckiest team in the competition so far. They have done they have done the almost impossible by scraping by on the bare minimum. Now, as I, I'm going to say this, and a lot of Barcelona fans are going to be upset with me. I do hope that Real Madrid wins this matchup, and I'll tell you why. If they win this matchup, their focus will be on the Champions League and not on La Liga. And this is good for my team. Why? Because we also have to focus on... Uh, on taking over Atletico Madrid. It is it is um, not as close as I thought it was. I thought it was like a five-point difference. So I think it's a little bit more than that. But um, it like since Barcelona is no longer in the competition, that gives us an opportunity as Barcelona fans to take over. You see, you guys got to play the long game. You got to play the, the long equi- game in this one. Are, is this you letting off fireworks outside of Real Madrid's hotel room? Yes, yes, this is it. This is it. (laughs) I want them to be well-rested for that game next week. I want them to go into that game, and I want them to uh, take out Atalanta and move on to the next, to the round of eight. They must move on to the round of eight so that we have an opportunity. We're two points ahead of them in La Liga. I need them to win this game so that they cannot come at us in La Liga. They'll be exhausted. 
they'll be exhausted to uh, for the rest of the season. So, so that's my only thought. Hopefully, that's what happens. If they do get knocked out, which is quite possible, Atlanta is a scrappy team. I've said this the last time that they played a couple of weeks ago. If Atlanta plays the kind of game that we know that they could play, there's no reason for them to be knocked out at this stage. And I'll be happy for them in terms of being the underdog now um, of the competition um, that would be in, in, a, in a prime position. Uh, you know, we lost Leipzig. Um, two of the powerhouses got knocked out by, well, now Porto, I guess, would be kind of like the, the, the underdog that we look at. But we lost Leipzig and all the other, Sevilla's gone. All the underdogs are out. Everyone who was an underdog going into this, uh, coming out of this round of 16 is out. Atalanta would be my crown champion underdog to take it deep into the competition if they could beat assaulted Real Madrid team. We'll, we'll see if that, did, did I get a score from you on this one? Oh, um, I think, um, so realistically, I think that Atalanta comes away with this 2-0, not 2-1. Ooh, I think that not, they come not, away. not even having to move in, move on on goals. No, <laughs> not even having to do that. I think that they're going to go two, uh, two zip, uh, two nil, two one on aggregate. I think that they come away two goals on this one, and will be able to hold out um, Real Madrid. My hope is that Real Madrid scores one more goal and is able to hold them out. Um, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry that I'm late on the statistics, but I don't know exactly what. Um, if there are any key notables missing, yes, we do have Casemiro who's out on a yellow card suspension. Uh, <laughs> Cabral is out on muscle injury and Sergio Ramos is still out on a torn meniscus. So a lot of key inactives going into this game. Um, but just to, just to say, just to see in this fixture that, you know, your top, your only goal scorer was your right back. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Um, not at all. No, no. And moving on to, to Wednesday's game, we're going to keep this in La Liga. We have uh, Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid as the uh, as our first game for the Wednesday matches. Uh, Chelsea is up one to nothing on the aggregate, uh, with Chelsea being the home team for this matchup. This is another one I, I don't know if Greg would actually prefer if Atletico moves on or not so that they're not focused on Barcelona coming up. I don't know if he's going to take the same uh, tactic on this one as he did with uh, Real Madrid or if he just chose that for Real because he dislikes that team. I mean, again, I think this is going to be another one nothing game, maybe 2-1. Chelsea has been playing really, really well since uh, Thomas Tuchel took over. Uh, they have not lost under him. Uh, which, you know, is why they are not only moving ahead in the Premier League, but also still in this competition. Uh, they're matching up well against some top-notch competition. And uh, I don't know. I think this one's tough because Atletico, you know, if they are able to win La Liga, will still be back in this competition regardless of um, their early, potential early exit or not. So it's hard to tell what their focus is going to be, whether they want to focus on, you know, winning La Liga and taking that honor away from a team like Barcelona or Real and still making it into the, the competition, or if they want some other hardware, maybe they want to go for both. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, all I know is that uh, Suarez will 
claw for anything tooth and nail, uh, emphasis on tooth. You know, I, I, I don't count them out of this. I, I think this is a tough one. I, I do think this is another 1-0. I think Chelsea still does win. They, they play uh, very, very well at Stamford Bridge. And uh, I, I think this is, this is a tough game. The, this, this is definitely the game for me to watch this week. This, this is the game to watch. This is the game to watch. Just to give you a little statistics, guys. Chelsea's home record against Atletico is split three ways in three games. Chelsea's won one at home. Chelsea's lost one to Atletico at home. And they've also drawn a game at home. There is break, no, there's no margin. <laughs> there's, there's nothing between these two teams. The only difference between these two teams going into this fixture is that you have a knee injury on Chelsea's team and Atletico is fully healthy and ready to go. Now they do have a game to play before they get to each other. So that could quickly change. But if this stays the same going into this matchup, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tense and it's going to be the game of the week. I absolutely believe that. Um, Both teams have amazing players in which I'm sure will want to advance um, to the the round of 16. Who doesn't want to advance to round of 16? This is the time to do it. Uh, But Atletico, again, as a fan of Barcelona, I hope they stay in the competition. I hope that they stick around. I hope that they get faced off with a team like Bayern Munich um, in the next round. So they have to face those guys and worry about those guys because that's, that's the only way in which we're going to get an opportunity to move ahead in La Liga. But Atletico is not the, Atletico is a team that has been showing a lot of prowess. So I doubt that that would be, I doubt that that would make a difference. Um, and I doubt that there will be a, a, any, any distraction for him. Diego uh, Simeon has been able to do what's necessary to get this team to where they're at right now. And his personal record against Chelsea um, has been two wins, two draws, two losses, and has only played once against Thomas Tuchel. So again, another the, the, anything could tip the scales in this game, and I do think it's going to be close. If it's not close, it's because of serious mental errors or some strategic... But again, neither one of these teams wants to lose, which is what's going to make this, te- this game the game of the week. Speaking of games that are not close, uh, our final matchup for next week, Bayern Munich, the German Giants, versus Lazio. Munich is up 4-1 to one on the aggregates. With four away goals in Lazio, to their credit, I don't think we really need to spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, Bayern Munich's going to Bayern Munich. They, I mean, even if this game ends one nothing, it's not going to be exciting. Um, I, I don't see Bayern Munich giving an inch to Lazio. Uh, they're still going to go out there and play, but I, I think that they made their statement last game, got the cushion that they needed. Lazio has not been playing well. They've lost three out of their last five. This is the one series that has gone pretty much how we predicted that Bayern was going to run through them, and I I don't see any change. No, I I actually believe that once Bayern gets to you, um, your team is automatically going to play poorly uh, in any other competition that they play in. Uh, same thing happened in Barcelona. The only team to ever face Bayern and come away better is uh, PSG. Every other team that has faced Bayern more than once 
has been demoralized. It's it's that disgusting. They've been demoralized to the point that their next couple of games or a couple of games after they've played this team or for for Barcelona it's been a year. Um and they're still playing poorly. I I I think that these guys are the men amongst boys playing fantastic football and yeah, this this fixture is no different. Um Lazio is going to probably come in here with the mindset that they've already lost and we're not going to see much of a matchup uh here guys so if you're a Bayern fan watch the game if you're not it's it's gonna be a blow over and and even if it's not even if it comes down to a one nil a one nothing final score in this game I don't it, it only takes if Lazio comes in and scores the first goal I promise you it's gonna be a beat down after that especially if they score early it's gonna be a beat down after this it's gonna be the unfair fight of the week it's the it's the it's the the five foot two uh, unskilled fighter versus Mike Tyson. That's what this looks like to me. So so to continue that analogy, Ed Helms versus Mike Tyson. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's not um it's not one. I mean, like I will watch the highlights. Obviously, we watched them all. But this is this is not a game that I'm that I'm super pumped to go in and, and watch this. I was I, I think last week I wasn't excited about any of these games, not even mine. But Juventus Porto surprised me. But this week there we have a clear cut winner for for game of the week, which will be should be that Chelsea um, Atletico game. But you watch the games, guys, because we don't know what we play the games because we don't know what's gonna happen. On paper, all these things make sense. And so far, they've been playing out the way in which we thought. But um, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. That's why we play the beautiful game. And what what is exciting is we don't know what the matchups are going to be after this. They completely redraw and we we get to see what happens next. So, you know, these four teams that are already through, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they're anxiously awaiting who wins that Chelsea Atletico game. And there are some teams who are really not looking forward to facing uh, Bayern Munich. <laughs> you know, I, that's honestly, that's my thought. I, I, I think it would be incredible to get a Bayern Munich Man City matchup. I, w- I would watch the heck out of oh, both don't the do that of that game. <laughs> we're, we're not we're not there yet we're not there yet we, we don't know what's actually going to happen but like no. the it i mean it could be bayern munich versus well they can't be dortmund bayern munich versus porto by mm-hmm. i mean that that matchup's not that exciting to me no porto, but if you give me bayern munich man city yeah i'm there no that 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 would be exciting. I think I think that what will be, I think what will be the final before the final will be Bayern Munich versus PSG. I know PSG want to sink their teeth into that team one more time, and I'm sure that a lot of of their feelings come from they only had to play them once. If they had to play them twice, they could learn from the experience more than what they've learned over the past one. But that would be the final before the final. I promise you that. If Bayern Munich and PSG end up in the round of eight, which wouldn't be good for television review for television viewing, but it'll be great to see them go uh, 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 a two-legged series against each other versus a final. 
Because I think in the final, you know, you saw the caginess between the two. Neither one wanted to give an, an edge to the other one. And one goal decided it. If Bayern Music goes up against PSG in the next, in, in, a round, in the round of eight or in the semifinals, it would be a, a series to watch. Agreed. But again, that's why they play the games. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, and I, I can't wait to see what happens next. And guys, I can't wait to see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for stopping in with this stoppage time, episode number 14. Every week, guys, we're going to come to you with our thoughts, our opinions, and our reviews on these matches, and even sprinkling some other news. And I know that Tyler is an avid Premier League watcher. He watches all the games, um, both uh, whenever they play, honestly, unless he's you know, out working and whatnot. He he watches all the games. He spends his Sunday doing this thing um, from 5 a.m. till a little afternoon. He's watching games, guys. So we have all of that for you. Love having you here on the show. I'm about to blow the whistle. Before I do, Tyler, do you have anything to say to the fans out there? This isn't Champions League, but if you want to see the goal of the year, go find the highlights uh of when Tottenham played, uh, oh my gosh, who was that? It was uh, Crystal Palace. Yes. Tottenham played Crystal Palace uh, this Sunday. Harry Kane, goal of the week, or not just goal of the week, goal of the year. Greg actually saw it it. too. It's incredible. It's, you may watch it. It might look easy. It's not easy. Nothing, nothing about (laughs) that goal was easy. Nothing about that goal was easy. It was, it was, it was past spectacular. And, and honestly, Harry Kane will start to build a name for himself after this one. But guys, I'm about to blow the whistle. And that's been your episode of Stoppage Time.